is a little conversation that goes on between preachers when they run into each other or they're gathered around. And, and uh, one will ask, uh, what you preaching on this week? Uh, because we should be thinking about that, right? But this is one of those weeks where if uh, someone says, what you preaching on this week? It's kind of a joke. <laughs> There's some rather obvious material that we want to be covering uh, on uh, a week like this, a day like this. Uh, it's an amazing thing, this thing that we call resurrection. All gospel witnesses attest to the empty tomb, every one of them. And uh, if we were to read all of the accounts, it would take a little while this morning. It would take, take a while. But each one tells about this puzzling discovery. What I think I love about our gospel witnesses is that they each come from a different angle, a different perspective. And they don't try to tie up all the loose ends or even agree with one another. They just show us the picture that they saw, the account that they are reporting, and give that to us. And, and in each case, it, it is a puzzling event. Some, sometimes uh, what we hear is mostly that the uh, disciples, the apostles, were just puzzled. They scratched their heads. They did not get it. They did not understand. Even though, as uh, Pastor Ann was teaching us in the student message, it had been predicted and predicted and predicted. He should have had some sense of what was going on, and yet it's a very puzzling morning. And uh, it's an incredible thing. I, I want us, I have to choose each year, well, which one of these accounts am I going to read? And I, I look back just to see, because I have files and records, and I seem to favor the Apostle John. And John chapter 20, I just love it. And for that reason, I'm going to read from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> I think he's been neglected. Uh, so, uh, but Matthew gives us uh, an account with some things that are very, very important. So let's give our whole attention to the Word of God. What, what God wants to say to us today on this day. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there 
they will see me. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this miracle of all miracles. We thank you for the great hope that we sense. We thank you for this good news that was told long ago and comes across the ages to this very time and day. May we hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So the question I've been pondering all of this week is, what is this resurrection thing? What, what is it? What, what exactly happened? And what I can tell you immediately is that it is by far the most celebrated miracle of our faith. I would say the most celebrated miracle in all of history. Virtually everybody on the globe at least knows about it, this resurrection thing. I saw a survey that said that 80% of Americans say they celebrate resurrection on Easter today. 80% are celebrating resurrection, whether they fully understand what it's about or not. Uh, Another figure, 2.4 billion with a B, Christians around the world. Today, or sometime during the day, when the day started wherever they are, have been celebrating resurrection and, and trying to... To get a hold of what happened. It's the most celebrated thing and yet it's probably the least understood. So what do we have? What do we find in the Bible? What I want to share with you is that the Bible talks about at least four different life-giving miracles. And each one is different. Each one is distinct. The first is what we call regeneration. Say that word with me. Regeneration. Regeneration is the fancy theological word for born again. Uh, If if, uh, you remember the movement, the born again movement, are you born again? And someone would say, are you born again? Ask that question. Well, they could have asked, are you regenerate? And you would say, I'm not a degenerate. (laughs) No, regenerate. Uh, Regeneration means to be born again. Uh, it's, It's when we are given new life spiritually. Jesus talked about it with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Truly, truly. When Jesus says truly twice, do you need to listen? Right? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see. His eyes will not be open to the kingdom of God. A few verses later, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You have a flesh birth. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And we need the spiritual birth in order to have life that is eternal. Jesus said a little later in uh, the Gospel of John, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's really important that we understand new life and we receive new life in Christ. Amen? Now here's the thing about people who are uh, given regeneration, who are born again. Though we are born again, we still die physically. Everybody that we know of who, who is born again or was born again uh, has either died or they are going to die. Eventually, this body, this earth suit is going to either get really, really old and wear out or it's going to become damaged in some way and, and we're going to go out of it. So physical death is a, a reality. Hebrews chapter 9 says it is appointed for a man to die once. There's a a time in which we die. 
And after that comes judgment. 1 John chapter 5 uh, says, However, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I can ask you that question. Do you know that you have eternal life? It's really an important question. Because when the earth suit wears out, we need to know that there's something eternal that's going to continue on. There's another kind of life-giving miracle, and it's what we would call resuscitation. And you might say, well, where was that in the Bible exactly? I'm going to show you in a minute. But this is when what we call sinus rhythm and respiration, I had to look that up, have stopped. And, and, and a person appears, there's, not, there's no heartbeat, there's no breathing going on. And there are examples that we can think of, and maybe, maybe there are some in this room uh, where a resuscitation was needed. We think about the teenager, John Smith, who was the subject of the movie Breakthrough. You remember he was, under, he was in freezing cold water for 15 minutes. Everybody thought, this is over. They brought him out, they resuscitated him, and then they prayed and prayed and prayed for him, and he completely recovered. And we hear about, we hear about miraculous, that's a, a miracle, it's, uh, it's different from other miracles. And you say, well, where is that in the Bible? Uh, we, we do know that resuscitation in various forms were, was practiced in ancient times. Uh, they learned a long time ago that if someone drowns, you roll them on their side and you maybe pat them and press on their abdomen and that can be helpful in reviving a person. If someone uh, stops breathing and their heart stops because of cold, you warm them up and that is a form of resuscitation. It wasn't until the middle of the last century that uh, resuscitation really uh, was understood, uh, what we call car CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Uh, how many of you are trained in cardio, at some point in cardiopulmonary resuscitation? Okay, it's something that we're familiar with. And we even have a, an emergency defibrillator out in the lobby. I hope I never need it, but I'm glad it's there. Amen? So we, we live in an age where that kind of miracle can take place, and it's not just a modern thing, uh, some suggest that uh, Jairus' daughter, uh, which is recorded in three of the Gospels, may have been revived by resuscitation. The reason why is that Jesus, when he they said, well, she's dead. You remember there was a delay? They, they called him to come, and, and before this little girl is very, very sick. And then he was delayed healing the woman with the issue of blood. And then he finally gets her. They say, it's too late. You're too late. Jesus was never too late. Amen. <laughs> and he said, the girl is not dead, but asleep. And so some think that he may have given her resuscitation. Let me ask you, is that any uh, less of a miracle to us? Say no. <laughs> That's an amazing miracle when that happens. Um, but we have to also know that people brought back to respiration and sinus rhythm will one day die physically again. Uh, every, every one of them that we know of, eventually the time comes when the earth suit wears out or they become too old or they become damaged and, and they physically, our mortal life ends. The third life-giving miracle is what I'm going to call reanimation. Now, you may not have seen that uh, word in the Bible, but it's another way of saying raised from the dead. Uh, a person is really, really dead, and they are really, really raised. And we read about that in the Bible when a person is clearly no longer alive, uh, perhaps for hours, but, but 
in some cases for days, and then they are restored to mortal life once again. The Greek word is egero. Say that with me, egero. And it, it means to awaken, arouse, raise up, to bring up, to recover, to collect one's faculties. There are at least seven examples of this in the Bible. Elijah uh, raised a, a, a young man from the dead, so did Elisha. Jesus uh, raised the son of the widow uh, of Nain. Many saints uh, were raised uh, from the dead at the time that Jesus was resurrected. That's all recorded in Scripture. Uh, probably the most famous one is that Jesus raised Lazarus after he had been dead for four days. I mean, he, he, when he came, he said, let's open up the tomb. And they said, you don't want to do that. It smells bad in there. Just go stand near the, the you know, you don't want to be doing that. But Jesus raised a very, very dead man to life. And then he began to give testimony about this. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. That was a really special one because uh, Eutychus died. He, he, uh, uh, Paul was preaching uh, and he preached till midnight. Aren't you glad I don't preach till midnight? And Eutychus fell out of the window and died. And I just think it was the least that he could do to raise him from the dead. Pretty, saved him a little bit of embarrassment there. So... But it's actually a relatively rare miracle even in the Bible, even in Bible times. There's not that many cases, not that many situations. Sometimes people talk about as though we should be able to go around and just raise people from the dead. And that's not really what the Bible seems to exhibit to us. But here's another major point that I want to keep making. And that is that though these people were brought back from actual death to physical life, they died again later, every one of them. Lazarus went on and lived his life, and then again he was put into, I don't know if it was the same grave, but he was uh, again placed in a grave. But the fourth life-giving miracle uh, is the one that we celebrate today, and that is resurrection. And resurrection is different from anything and everything else. It is a complete rising from death to new life in a glorified and everlasting body. There's nothing like it. In fact, we only have one historic example of this, and that's Jesus. That's why we celebrate it today. It's the one example of, of resurrected life. And so we want to learn from that. The scripture also tells us that it is what we will experience. It's going to be very common in the future. Uh, you are either going to be raised from, from death to life and, and receive a glorified body, uh, or you're going to go and meet him in the air, one or the other. And in every other life-giving miracle, the people died again, but not in this case. Scripture talks about it. Uh, Jesus, uh, when he was talking to Martha outside of Lazarus' tomb, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, we're going to see life here. For Lazarus, but I am resurrection. I am is God's name. I am resurrection. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He was rather pointed about that. How important it is for us to believe this truth. There's something bigger even than 
than raising Lazarus back to life. You see, resurrection, it ends up, is the most proven miracle in history. Many have set out to disprove it, and in almost every case, they instead became believers. They investigated and investigated and investigated and finally said, I can come to no other conclusion except that this really did happen. There are so many testimonies, even outside of the church, outside of the Bible. The Jewish historian Josephus treated it as an assumed truth. Jesus who was raised from the dead. Everyone seemed to know this. There was no sense in trying to deny it. It's not disputable. And still, we do not understand much about it. So I find myself asking exactly what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. What happened biologically? What happened spiritually? And we don't know that. We're not told that. We're not told how this happened. We're only told that it happened in this incredible moment uh, that was given to us to give us hope. We get some clues, however, from the appearances of Jesus You know, there are no less than 10 different appearances that are recorded specifically in Scripture. Uh, And uh, in Acts, it says, beginning on Resurrection Sunday, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. He instructed his apostles and many, many others. We, We hear some about that in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul. This is sort of the synopsis of the truth of the gospel. Uh, Paul says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the twelve, Uh, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So he appeared again and again, many, many people that they could have talked to. So what do we learn from these appearances? I just want to give you a few things because they help us to understand what is resurrection. The first is that Jesus could be touched and felt. We read it in our scripture uh, a few minutes ago. Behold, Jesus met them and said greetings, and they came. They took hold of his feet and worshipped him. He could be touched. He could be held. Let me tell you something. When you get to heaven and Jesus hugs you, you will feel it. It's not some spiritual, misty thing. And how important and gratifying that is. Secondly, that... Jesus was different, yet recognizable. Uh, when, when he meets him, he says, uh, when he met Mary Magdalene, recorded in John 20, um, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she didn't immediately recognize him. Maybe she just didn't think that was possible. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, Mary... <laughs> And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Something very similar happened on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him at first, but later on they did. The third thing I share with you is that Jesus had flesh and bones. This was not just simply a spiritual uh, thing that was appearing. This wasn't a ghostly sort of thing. In Luke 24, he says, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, 
For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then a little bit later he says, uh, you got anything to eat? You know, spirits don't eat. They wouldn't be able to eat flesh and bones. And so this is important because our resurrection is going to be like that as well. We're going to have flesh and bones, a resurrected and glorified body. Someone say, praise God. I'm ready for the glorified part. (laughs) Jesus also had the marks of the crucifixion. He said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus will always bear the scars of the price that he paid for you and for me. But we will not have scars in heaven. There's a great song uh, that says that these days. The only scars in heaven are are his. He will always have those, but you will not have scars in heaven. When I get to heaven, I think the first thing I'll do is check some of the scars. You know, oh yeah, (laughs) they're gone. And I think that speaks for emotional scars and all, all kinds of scars that we experience in our lives. His body was different. He could enter closed rooms. He, he could disappear and be in another place. And, and though Jesus had a resurrected physical body, uh, he was not bound by physical laws. I don't know what that will mean for us someday, but it's a pretty amazing thought. And the sixth thing is that he will not decay and you won't either. Psalm 16 says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. That means decay. Acts 13 says it. Uh, But he whom God raised up did not see corruption, did not see decay. The new body that you will receive in the resurrection isn't going to (laughs) rot. Someone say, praise God. Yeah, it's amazing. So we want to get a hold of that. The big truth of this day, the big truth of the Bible is that we will be raised like Jesus. Someone say hallelujah. Why don't you say that with me? We will be raised like Jesus. Not like Lazarus, Eutychus, Jairus' daughter, or the saints of Jerusalem. It's going to be, it's a completely different thing. But we are going to experience that. 1 Corinthians 15 says it. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's just the first one. And that's why we have hope. We have that first example, that first one to look to. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, that's what we celebrate. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Now, if you're like me, I find myself saying, well, now, how is God going to do that? And I don't know a specific scripture that says this is exactly how God does it. But here's what I come to. Here's the truth I come to. The same God who breathed into some dirt and made Adam come to life will breathe into the dust of your mortal body and cause your resurrected body to rise. That's the truth. Of the scripture. How does he do that? I don't know. I just know who does it. So the question that often is asked is, well, what happens when I die? 
Am I just turning to dust and waiting for the resurrection? Is that the deal? And, and these are the things that we need to know from Scripture. When you are absent from your body, you are present with the Lord. You're, you're not asleep somewhere. You're not in a dusty place, in an urn, or anything else like that. That's not where you are. Uh, in Luke 23, he said to the thief on the cross, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. We'll be with him. John 14, Jesus said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We're going to be with Jesus. So your spirit is immediately with Jesus, waiting for the resurrection moment when we will be united with a glorified body. That's the best teaching of scripture that I have found. But the most important question, it doesn't concern resuscitation or reanimation or even resurrection the most important question has to do with regeneration what am I talking about are you born again that's the most important question because without that Jesus said unless you're born again you will not see the kingdom of God you will not see the kingdom of heaven are you born of the spirit it's something that the spirit does in us it's something we surrender to and we receive this gift of salvation Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life believe in me and though you die yet shall you live it's the offer of grace this invitation 2 Corinthians 5:17 is Probably my favorite of all scriptures. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's good news. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's not something you earn. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There's not any issue, any question more important in our lives than this. Are you born again? Have you received the grace of Jesus? I, I prayed a prayer a long, long time ago. Maybe you've prayed a similar prayer at some point. Um, sometimes I, I talk to someone, I say, would you like to pray this prayer to, uh, of salvation? And they'll say, well, I prayed that a long time ago. I don't think I need to. Well, you may not need to. Uh, I've probably prayed this prayer in one form or another a thousand times. And every time it has been meaningful and powerful and affirming. And so I want to invite you. You don't have to. It's in your, it's in your notes. You can find it there. But I, I invite you to pray this form of this prayer with me. Let's put it up and we will find it in a minute. There we go. Do we have the prayer? Next slide. There we go. And let's, let's, uh, I just invite you to pray this aloud with me. Uh, I'm blessed every time that we do. Let's pray. Lord God, I confess my great need for you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me into a new creation. Take the old away so that the new may come. I receive your gift of salvation that comes by your grace and not by anything I could do. I desire to be part of your great resurrection. I desire life in you. I believe in you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Father God, I thank you.
For the gift of grace, the gift of the gospel, the gift of resurrection life, and the hope you have planted in us. In Jesus' name, amen.